Hey there, welcome back to this week's episode of the Seatown Podcast, where Seattle business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders are invited on to share their stories with us. I'm your host, Christian Harris. This week's episode of the Seatown Podcast is brought to you by Seatown Real Estate. Their mission to make a difference extends beyond just their unique and unconventional approach with their clients and their agents. They partner with the community to give back a percentage of the proceeds from each home sale to a local nonprofit of their client's choice. Visit seatown.com, S-E-A-town.com, and experience the difference with Seatown Real Estate today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Seatown Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Aaron Dury-Moore, the Executive Director of the West Seattle Helpline, which is a community-based nonprofit putting a stop to homelessness before it starts in West Seattle and White Center. Uh, They do that through emergency services to families and individuals. Uh, Now, I found out about uh, the West Seattle Helpline a few years ago. Uh, I think the Executive Director at the time, uh, Chris Langler, I think I met him at maybe a chamber event or or something around West Seattle, Um, and I was really impressed by you know the model um, but it doesn't seem like it you know at the time it had a lot of press so now a lot of mm-hmm. people knew about that as a uh, awesome kind of you know hyper local resource um, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the West Seattle helpline um, what made you get involved with it you know kind of what the the origin story is uh, a little bit of the organization yeah so um, the West Seattle helpline is one of a few helplines in Seattle they're actually there's the Queen Anne helpline, the North helpline, and the Ballard Food Bank also has a helpline in it. Um, and uh, Queen Anne and West Seattle were started around the same time from um, folks at Met Market um, who were seeing that people really were having to choose between whether or not they could buy food or pay their rent or pay their utility bills. And so um, folks got together and said, you know, as a community, we can do better. Um, and we can help folks stay in their homes uh, with just a small assistance, sometimes, you know, $80 is all they need to make up for the missed rent or something like that. Um, so it started, this is actually our 30th year. Um, we turned 30 this year. Yeah. So, um, uh, so in those 30 years, you know, we've grown a lot. Um, I hear that at the beginning, the assistance could be like maybe $25 and only a handful of people would get that in a given month. Um, at this point, our average assistance uh, for rent utility or move-in deposit is uh, about $300, and um, we are able to serve 100% of the eligible folks who call at this point. We've been doing that for about three years now. Um, awesome. To your point, yeah. you know, I think a couple years ago, people didn't know about the helpline as much. Um, and in the last few years, uh, starting with Chris and, and moving from that momentum, we've really been trying to get out and make sure that people know that we're here, um, which is doing a couple things. More folks know that they can call if they need some help. And also more people know that there are different ways to support the community. Um, and so we're able to, uh, to do more in that way to help our neighbors. Um, we also have a clothesline, which is a free clothing bank for any age um, person. Uh, it, and folks can come in four times a year and shop for clothing for themselves and anybody else in their household. Okay. Um, and like I said, it's free. And then we also give out bus tickets. Um, so those are our main programs that we run. And all of that is run through the support of our fabulous community and the amazing volunteers. So the hotline is fully staffed by volunteers and the clothesline is also fully staffed by volunteers. 
Um, okay. And so the staff is there to like make the operations of the business keep going essentially sure. and review the applications. Um, how I came into the helpline, um, I was in Eugene uh, before moving up to Seattle. Uh, my entire career has been in nonprofits. Okay. Um, I've done everything from working with low-income folks, getting access to mental health um, help, uh, to coaching a crew team for youth. Um, and most recently, before this job, I worked with um, child welfare and saw the impacts of homelessness on families um, in the child welfare system and the detrimental outcomes that cross all sectors um, when homelessness is a factor. Um, And so when I moved up here um, and saw the homeless issue in Seattle, um, as we all know, is always growing, it seems like, and becoming an ever more problem as we're displacing folks from homes and gentrifying neighborhoods and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so started trying to figure out, you know, what are the agencies that are working to make sure that this isn't happening? Um, And I met Chris through a networking and um, had an amazing conversation with him about the prevention model of the helpline and how it really is about stopping homelessness before it starts, um, where we keep folks in their homes. We make sure that they never have to enter the cycle of homelessness or have any of those outcomes. Um, so I thought that was just amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I said, as I said, our average assistance is about $300. And the city came out with a report within the last year or two that said it could cost up to $32,000 to rehome somebody in the city at this point. And so, you know, just on a, on a economic level for the city, it makes so much sense. Um, but then also just as a human, I can't imagine, you know, what would happen if I had myself and my child and like, I had to figure out a housing situation in this city without any resources or support. And I, and so on a on a human level too it's just such a better model in my opinion to keep people in their homes yeah. <laughs> um and Not disrupt your life right exactly exactly so that's a bit about the history of the helpline and why what brought me to it okay. um what, what brought you to seattle if it wasn't the, the helpline if you found out about after you moved to seattle oh um i lived in eugene for a long time and uh my family was ready for a different scene and more opportunity um so we moved up here to to seek that and uh and my son at the time was entering kindergarten so it was a really good time to okay. sort of transition him <laughs> sure. um now the you know, it sounds like, you know, the clothesline and the, the helpline are largely volunteer run. Uh, where do you guys get your support from, you know, whether, whether it's the clothes or the, the money to be able to uh, provide assistance? Yeah, that's actually one of, one of the other, one of my favorite things about the helpline actually is that it is a hyper-local model. Um, and the West Seattle community is such a tight-knit and astounding community we care very much about our neighbors and we want to make sure our neighbors stay in our community so all the clothing is local um folks from the neighborhoods come and drop it off at the clothesline which is um in the junction area and um, all the volunteers are local from the west seattle area as are our board members you know so it really is a west seattle 
organization. Sure. Yeah. Um, do you guys do, you guys do uh, like regular like annual fundraising drives, that sort of thing? Yeah. So we have two major events that happen. Um, Taste of West Seattle is coming up this May 23rd on um, Thursday. And that's a really fun event at the Hall at Fontlaurie where um, the local West Seattle White Center restaurants, bars, restaurants, breweries, wineries, you know, things like that come. And they come with little food bites or little sips of beer or wine or um, some mocktails, things like that. Um, It's a 21 and over event. But it's really fun, uh, and it brings just it just really brings the community together. Um, it's great for our folks to come and see what's happening in the food area in yeah. West Seattle, um, and also see your neighbors and have some fun. Um, and then our second major event is the um, Neighbors Helping Neighbors Dinner, which is in October. It's October twelfth of this year. Um, and that's a cocktail hour, uh, live and silent auction, okay. dinner, um, presentation about the organization. We also give our Neighbor of the, war- uh, neighbor of the Year Award at that event. Um, and it's also really fun. It's a little bit more um, it, sit-down dinner type style. Sure. Um, so, And then we also have uh, different clothing drives that happen throughout the year. Um, and like I said, the community is amazing. So CMP Coffee does one. Um, one of the the West Side School is going to be doing a uh, drive for us this spring. Um, you know, and so like different clothing drives happen throughout the year. Okay. Lots of coat drives from um, Qantas and different service organizations and the churches happen. So um, it's really the community coming together. And then, you know, as a nonprofit, a lot of our funding comes from our local businesses and neighbors who give individually. And that's what goes to our financial assistance program. So we're able to pay rent and utilities for folks based on those donations and the generosity of the community. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I love the hyper-local model of that. Um, That's that's pretty awesome. I mean, when... um, when you took on the mantle of you know, executive directors last year, um, was there anything kind of unexpected uh, about that role or something surprising you found? Um, you know, obviously, you're, you're hoping to kind of tackle homelessness preemptively as opposed to waiting until it becomes a crisis and yeah. then trying to, you know, you know, tackle it that way, which obviously is a lot harder, a lot more disruptive to, uh, to people and costs right. a lot more money. So, um, yeah, is there anything kind of surprising you found you know, taking on this role? Um, I wouldn't say there's anything surprising in the role. I think that um, what's been interesting over the last uh, year and a half that I've been in this role is to see how the conversation around homelessness is changing uh, throughout the city. Um, I think there has been a lot of focus on how do we get people off the streets? And that conversation has been happening for a while. Um, I'm starting to, we're starting to see a shift, especially in this uh, legislative session of people really talking about how do we prevent? Um, and, And so our model is becoming is coming more to the forefront of the conversation now, which has been, and clearly in my opinion, a great thing to happen. Um, and, and so it's been really interesting to see how the conversation in the city is changing, how the conversation with our elected officials is changing, um, and, and to be a, 
be a part of that conversation and say, okay, how do we really, if we're going to look at prevention in this way, how do we really make the impacts to all the folks who are experiencing, you know, who are getting eviction notices or on the cusp or experiencing shutoff notices or things like that? How do we really come to the community in a way that meets folks where they're at as opposed to waiting until they've been evicted Mm -hmm. or even in the prevention model, waiting until they come folks who have like an eviction come to the courthouse mm-hmm. like which is a great step that we're talking about and it's fabulous but wh- where does our neighborhood based hyper local model fit into that conversation and what what section of of the conversation are we fulfilling that isn't being looked at yet sure okay. so that's been a really interesting and it's ongoing. That conversation yeah. is happening right now. <laughs> um, and so that's, I think that's been really probably the most interesting um, thing to, to sort of wrap my brain around and, and um, have the organization participate in in a meaningful way. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like an encouraging aspect of, you know, the added conversation that's yeah. going on in, in, in the city and with legislators. Um, is there kind of a flip side of that? Like what's been the most challenging aspect of this role or this job or, or helping, you know, the, the people you help? Yeah. Um, well, it's always challenging to make sure, like I said, we are um, helping 100% of the clients of eligible um, neighbors, which is great. Um, but the amount of money folks need has gone up. I mean, just in the time I've been there, it's gone up. Sure. Um, and anecdotally. But, um, uh, but I do know over from our data, like over the course of time, the amount of rent requests the in, in the dollar amount, not the number of, but the dollar sure. amount of rent requests is just going up. Yeah. And so how do we have our budget and work with that to help as many folks as we can um, in a way that is preventing eviction? And so we've been working with community partners a lot more and trying to streamline that process and say, you know, okay, how do we work together to make sure we can get these amounts and also you know in our city you get a three-day eviction notice how do we how do we turn it around fast enough you know um so that's another part of the challenges that we face is you know we're really looking at um how do we advocate meaningfully in this conversation um and uh, how do we also live within the reality of what an eviction process, for example, looks like in this city, yeah. and how do we play a meaningful role to really prevent that for people um, is is challenging. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, can you share maybe a, a story with us that captures kind of the essence of what the West Seattle Helpline does to, to help the individuals of West Seattle? Yeah, so, um, you know, we get, on, on the financial assistance side of things, we get requests. Um, it's a one-time emergency needs is, is our mission. Uh, and so we're really helping folks who have some sort of um, unforeseen situation happen or um, folks who, um, you know, live right on that edge of living paycheck to paycheck yeah. and, you know, kiddo is out sick and so parent can't go to work for a couple of days and that's that's all it takes you know sometimes it really is just like eighty dollars you know um so uh, and in terms of like one of these a story of folks that we work with who 
have a greater need. We have people who come in who need $2,500, $4,000 because there's like maybe they got injured at work or they had some sort of more severe illness um, and it took them out of work for a while and now they're trying to get back up on up to speed and on their feet again. Um, and so, you know, clients will come in with that, with a request like that. And, um, our, after we go through a screening process, um, after that, we, uh, have a couple community partners, St. Vincent de Paul. We work with them often. And, um, the West side interfaith network is another amazing, uh, community organization community group that we work with and it's phone calls to them saying hey what can we do together you know like this is how much we're able to put towards this and and what can you do and um and really work with the client as well you know um people are motivated to stay in their homes and and they go and find resources and and support from other folks as well as other organizations and and so you know we just try to be that hub of making sure everything lines up um, in a case where it takes a lot of different partners to get to the amount we need to get to okay yeah awesome um i mean it sounds like a very satisfying line of work you know to know that you're making a difference tangibly in you know so many people's lives uh, every day I'm kind of getting to maybe a little bit more of the, the personal side of your story. Um, I mean, it's it's great you're able to, like, it sounds like, you know, help 100% of the people that make requests, so it doesn't sound like a super frustrating business like it might be if, like, there's a greater need than you're able to provide for. But um, w- those times that you do need to, you know, blow off some steam or, or have some fun or, you know, get some, some you time, what do you, how do you spend your time? What, what do you like to do? Uh, well, I have a son, so hanging out with him and just going into, like, kid space is always really fun <laughs> um, but mostly um, I'm also a runner and okay. so I take my time and go on runs um, actually it's sort of known with my uh, personally with friends and also with the staff like if there's a real issue we're tackling or something I'm trying to process I'm like okay I'll be back and yeah. I just kind of take off for a while and it's been really great I've only lived in Seattle for three years and it's how I've gotten to know the city okay. <laughs> I just start running and I get lost sometimes and have to figure out how to get back um and have like gotten to see some great neighborhoods and you know anywhere on sound is amazingly beautiful to run so um really gotten to know the city that way which has been good sounds like a nice way to discover uh areas of seattle yeah Uh, what what do you love most about uh about west seattle uh the community um I have been a community-oriented, focused person my whole life. I build community wherever I go. Um, When I moved up here, uh, the hardest part was leaving the community I had built um, from home before. Um, And, you know, in any of the moves I've made, it's always, it's fun to learn a new place. But um, it's great to build community and have people. And the community of West Seattle is unique um, and when I moved, when I moved up here, people would tell me that, you know, yeah. like West Seattle's unique. And I'm like, yeah, everybody says that, <laughs> you know? um, but it is, it really is. Um, we're much it, within a city. Uh, it really is just a small town neighborhood, you know, and, um, and folks here, like I, like we've talked about there, folks here are very interested in keeping that community feeling alive and do work actively to make sure that that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, in my 
in work, um, we see that every day where people just keep stepping up and showing up for our neighbors. Um, and you can see that just wandering around, you know, all the different little sections of West Seattle too. People are just wherever they go and, you know, it's just, um, it's a unique community. So you said you've lived in Seattle for a few years now, and you're in Eugene for like 15 years before that. Where, where are you originally from? What, uh, what, what's been kind of your, yeah, your trajectory I, around I just keep going north, apparently. I grew okay. up in the Bay Area of uh, near San Francisco in California um, and lived there until the end of high school, and then I was... I left pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> um, it, uh, yeah, it was just not not my speed okay. um and so moved to eugene and then got to slow down a lot there which was great and seattle seems to be the perfect middle ground of all of it for me okay. um also apparently i i don't like hot weather so <laughs> i'm just gonna keep going north apparently it will, it will keep getting colder yeah yeah <laughs> yep. um what would you say is maybe some of the best advice you've ever received either you know, professionally or, or personally i mean it sounds like yeah. you come from a nonprofit background yeah, um, I've been super fortunate to work at, with amazing people in, in the sector. Um, and I think, honestly, the best piece of advice um, professionally I ever got was to remember it's just a job. Um, I think in the nonprofit sector, that's really hard to, and I don't know that I fully commit to it, actually, but um, it's really hard to feel like it's just a job because you care. I care so much about the work I do. Everybody in the sector, we sure. all care about, that's why why we do what we do, you right. know. And we want to see the change that we're working for so much, you know. Um, but... Uh, you can you can really burn out you know, burn out in the nonprofit sector is sure abundant um, and I to be fair haven't worked in any other sectors so it could be true in others as well but, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, but for me it was just a really great reminder to um, you know keep my work at work as much as possible um, to remember to cherish and value my time with my kiddo um to you know remember that having things to do like running or some hobby or something that is um external to all of it is also you know really important um and it wasn't advice that i took when i heard it it did take um me just getting to the end of like i just can't do this and even thought about leaving um the nonprofit sector altogether and you know, I built my whole career on that. And so sure. um, I was fortunate enough to be able to take some time and slow down and like reevaluate. Uh, and and that was the piece of advice that really stood out at that moment. And so when I went back, I was like, okay, you know, but I do need to keep some boundaries. Sure. Um, and it's not just about time. It's about your mental health. It's about, you know, unplugging. It's about <laughs> remembering that, you know, when like for homelessness for example we're talking about something that i may not see a full solution to in my lifetime sure but that doesn't mean the work doesn't need to get done and it doesn't mean that we can't move the needle in in very significant ways and sure. you know and so just to remember those smaller goals and steps and and to celebrate those successes along the way as well sure um yeah awesome yeah i, I like to 
think about it in the in the context of like there's always going to be suffering there's always going to be homelessness there's always going to be poverty but what can I do you know kind of what's my role and mission like what whose lives can I affect yeah you know, that's that's what I'm responsible for I'm not responsible for the entire world's right. homeless population I'm responsible for like what can I do with the resources that I have and yeah it'll, it'll keep you sane you know otherwise you just Right. spiral down to depression and hopelessness, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, with social media now, there are lots of quotes and memes and things um, that are reminders to focus on what you can and what you do do and mm-hmm. not to get overwhelmed by the much larger picture and to remember that, you know, this piece of what you do is, is a piece of the bigger puzzle, right. you know? Um, and that's true for the helpline, you know, like we do a piece of prevention. We do not solve all of homelessness in Seattle. That's going to take a network of lots of agencies and lots of great minds and, right. Working together you know, and doing yeah. one person at a time, one individual at a time, one family at a time. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I like that. Um, so, I mean, as you've, you know, learned that lesson to not, you know, burn out uh, for the sake of the work you do, what would you say is like a personal habit that contributes to your success? Um, I do keep my my evenings and my weekends, I mean, as much, yeah, I do keep my time. Mm-hmm. Um in in the nonprofit world, you're working evenings and weekends pretty frequently, and so I have structured evenings that are like no go zones. Um, the nights I have my kiddo, like I'm pretty hard pressed to do anything other than go home and hang out with him. Sure. Um, and if there is time on weekends, uh, you know, I I just am careful with how much it is. I'm much more aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I so it's it's a it's very much a timing thing. I used to you know, come wake up really early and work out and get my kid to school and go to work and get him home. And then as soon as he was in bed, start working again and go to bed really late. And, you know, and now I'm just like, nope, if it can't, part of it also is just being realistic about what we can do. You know, I, no individual person can change anything at that level, especially, and and you can spin your wheels and spin your wheels, but you're just, at some point it's going to break down. Yeah. Um, and so I've just gotten really good at um, keeping my time. Um, and also, like I said, community is really important to me. Um, so I do things to make sure I'm engaging with my friends and my family um, and bringing community together. Um, I love any time where a house is full of people or a space is full of people who are chatting and getting along and sharing a meal or you know, having a good time together. Um, and so I try really hard to make sure I'm putting that in my life as much as possible as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, it sounds like we could all learn that lesson. I know I probably overwork, and you know, <laughs> especially owning a business, you like there's always more work to do. You there's know, always you gotta, more. You gotta yeah. draw your boundaries. So. Yeah. There's always gonna be more. Right. Um, that same mentor always she used to tell me all the time. There's always tomorrow. Which, you know, you don't want to put all of life off till tomorrow, but every once in a while when you have to prioritize, it's a good thing to remember. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, do you listen to podcasts? I do, um, on occasion. What's your, um, what's your favorite? Pod Save the People okay. is my favorite. Um, and uh, Pod Save America is also really good. Um, and then... Uh, what, what are those about? Pod Save the People is... Um, done by Dre, I can't remember his last name, and Brittany Pacnetti. Um, They were some of the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, and it's really about 
um, it's evolved, I feel like, over time. Um, but I would say at this point, they really take current affairs and dive deep into what does that mean for race in America? Um, and how is that upholding racism? And how are we, or, or how are we deconstructing racism? And, um, and it's a, it, I've learned so much <laughs> from it. Um, and it's a really, I feel like a really great analysis of what's going on. Um, they bring in politics clearly often. Sure. Um, and so it, I think it's a great way to learn about what's going on in the politics of America and how that, how they're, they're really good about bringing in the history of how we got here. Um, and, and so it centers it and grounds it for me in a way and that you can see how it's going to project out into the future and whether or not that's a good thing or not, you know, and how do I participate in that? Uh, Pod Save America is also very political. Um, they are a little more comical, I would say. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, but it's also like on that political bent. Um, and then, uh, other than that, it's like, I'll listen to an episode here or there that people are like, Oh, you'd really like this topic or something. Okay. Do Do you have a favorite movie? Uh, I don't sit still very well. <laughs> um, and so most of my movie time is now consumed by movies that are appropriate for an eight-year-old. Okay. Um, he's really into Star Wars, which is just not my jam. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, um, and then... Um, Let's see, I, uh, most of the Marvel movies that are out, I've, I've probably seen most of those. Um, but it's I am hard pressed to sit through a movie. Okay. Actually, yeah. Uh, are you are you? Is it easier for you to sit through a book? I love to read. Okay. Um, I read. I think I have three or four books I'm currently reading at okay. the, all at the same time. Um, but yeah, I do love reading. I recently read um, *Nightingale*, okay. which is a World War II uh, novel, um, and that was that was uh, that was great. And then, um, uh, so you want to talk about race? I think that was the title of it. I read that one recently, and then I just started *Emergent Strategies*. Somebody recommended that to me. I couldn't really tell you what it's about yet. Like I literally just cracked it the okay. other day. So. Um, but yeah, most of the books I get are either given to me or that I read are either given to me as gifts, which is my favorite, yeah. um, or somebody's like, you would love this. Okay. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up here, can you share one piece of parting guidance uh, or words of wisdom with our audience? Words of wisdom? Ooh, yeah. that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think sort of to the theme of our conversation that um, we can create change in in our world and in our community um and i think it's really easy to feel overwhelmed especially i feel like these days um we get just overwhelmed by the amount of different topics that can take our energy and that need that need to get moved forward and we need to see change on and so to just really remember like to that that taking the steps just the the little steps are it's still good you're still moving you're still moving forward you're still progressing and and being involved where you can when you can is good and also to remember for the folks who do this a lot who you know work in sectors where we 
try and create change or who are activists or who um, even in their own home are being activists by you know living their values um, just to remember that we also need to take time to for ourselves and to regroup and to say okay it's okay if I don't do that one thing right now sure. it's okay um, and that we are we'll still we'll still keep moving and that's that's the point you know that's the bigger picture that sure. we just as long as we keep moving in the right direction and living living our values and and being authentic people yeah. keep, we'll keep get there the ball forward. yeah yeah okay uh, if uh, one of our listeners, or hopefully a bunch of our listeners, you know, want to get involved uh, with the West Seattle Helpline, what's the best way to, to do that or sign up for, for one of your upcoming uh, fundraisers? I, I think we're going to, me and my, my business partner are going to try to make it out of the t- taste of West Seattle. So Awesome. It's so fun. It is for a good cause. So yes, it is really fun. Um, tickets for Taste of West Seattle are actually on sale right now, and we do sell out. Um, that event sells out, so I would definitely um, go online. Our website is uh, wshelpline.org, um, and you can get information of all of our events and upcoming opportunities on there. It's also, like I said, we're fairly heavily volunteer-run, uh, and so there's a prop space to sign up to be a volunteer. Um, and we have a couple different volunteer opportunities. We do an orientation every other month. Um, for new volunteers to learn about the different opportunities. So that's all on the website. Um, And then, of course, um, as a nonprofit, we are always looking for financial support from our neighbors. Um, There's a donate option on the website as well. And also all of our social media will direct you back to those opportunities. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you for your time today, Erin. It's been great sitting down talking with you. yeah, so it's a nice refresh. Um, you know, we, we we did interview Chris Langler. I was looking at, at our, our notes, and that was back in episode 26, which seems like a, a ton of time ago, which is over two years ago. It was back in December of 2016. So yeah. it's nice kind of getting updates, uh, you know, as things have changed and progressed, you know, uh, as far as, you know, what we're able to do in the conversation around homelessness in Seattle. Yeah. And uh, it's awesome to hear, you know, the, the impact you guys are making, you know, locally, uh, you know, one-on-one with families in, in need. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for doing this too. It's really fun to hear that. I was perusing your podcast and it's fun to hear all the different people from the community coming out and talking about the ways that that's what makes West Seattle, honestly, yeah. <laughs> are all those different folks. So. Yeah, exactly. The community is uh, uh, strong here. It's, it's, yeah. it's great to be part of West Seattle. It really is. <laughs> well, thanks again, Aaron. Thank Appreciate you. your time. Thank you. That wraps up this week's episode. Make sure to check out our guest website, pay them a visit, and help spread the word about what they are doing. If you have any questions, know someone who should be a guest on here, or has a great story worth sharing, email me at christianharris at ctown.com. That's S-E-A-town.com. I would also love it if you would go to iTunes and give us a review and a nice five-star rating. We work hard to bring on great guests and provide exceptional content, and getting a review from you is one way to help the podcast rank well on iTunes so others can find and enjoy the show. You can also find out more about me, how my real estate brokerage is breaking the mold and making a difference in our Seattle communities, and other projects I'm working on by visiting ctown.com, S-E-A-town.com. Thanks for listening. The music for our podcast is courtesy of The Fascination Movement. You can find their albums in the iTunes store. You can also listen to more episodes and find all our show notes on our website at seatownpodcast.com. This has been a Seatown Media Production. 